Hello everyone and welcome back to Air Magique. Let's talk about the most magical place in Europe. I'm Eric and yes, today we'll be talking about something not directly related to Disneyland Paris, but you know, it's in that spectrum. <laughs> I'm going to give you my review and a close look at Bob Iger's new book, The Ride of a Lifetime. But first, some park news. This year, Christmas lights won't be installed on Sleeping Beauty's castle, likely indicating that an in-depth refurbishment is looming on the horizon. If approved, it could include replacement of turrets, color scheme adjustments, and repairs on the castle stage, which might take up to two years. On a more positive note, Mickey's magical Christmas lights will now integrate Sleeping Beauty's castle into its tree lighting ceremony. Through the miracle of projection mapping, the show will see new special lighting on Central Plaza and Main Street, all ending with the lighting of the tree on Town Square. The Starlit Princess Waltz will also be back on the castle stage starting November 15th, as well as Disney's Christmas Parade, which will be performed twice a day. Over at Walt Disney Studios Park, the show's surprise Mickey and Mickey's Christmas Big Bang will return, as well as the food festival Les Hivers Gourmands, which is going to be rocking the holiday favorites as well as new festive vegan options. You guys, I can't wait to check out the parks in all their Christmas splendor and report back to you. Les Hivers Gourmands reminds me so much of the Christmas markets that pop up every year all over Germany, which by the way, you guys are not to be missed if you're visiting around December. But back to Disney. Expanding on vegan options is also fantastic. As some of you might know, my husband is a vegetarian and it can sometimes be a bit of a challenge to find good vegan vegetarian options around the park, so new additions are definitely welcome. The studio theater at Walt Disney Studios Park will host a special sneak peek of Frozen 2 starting November 4th. Okay, so not to go off on red here or anything, but Disney, come on, can't we get a real show in this gorgeous theater? Cinemagic 2.0, Airmagic Deluxe, anything really at this point. I will be excited for anything featuring live actors and a nice stage. <sighs> well, at least we'll be getting that new Frozen experience over at Animation Celebration, which I'm really excited about, and the concept art looks gorgeous. In hotel news, Disney's Hotel Cheyenne has applied for a third star, putting it on the same level as Disney's Sequoia Lodge, which is expected to get a refurbishment and upgrade within the next few years as well. Disneyland Paris has recently done away with the keys system in favor of a more traditional stars rating system, rated 1 to 5. Now don't get me wrong, I love the Hotel Cheyenne, but I'm not quite sold on it being a three star resort. For starters, there's no pool, no fitness room. Two seems fair, and let's be honest, <laughs> let's instead downgrade the Hotel Santa Fe to one and a half stars. The new Disney Junior, which I'm super excited for, featuring its gorgeous steampunk stage and all, is now rocking a marquee that states something new in the spring of 2020. The new tagline for the show reads, quote, Get your dancing shoes on for this interactive stage show that'll have you busting out your best moves alongside Disney friends, end quote which will likely be some sort of dance party, so we'll see. I'm super curious to see what they do here. The new studio tram tour will be named Cars Route 66. The new tagline reads, quote, Buckle up and join stars Lightning McQueen and Mater for a fun-filled family road trip where you'll discover natural and mechanical wonders along with the legendary Route 66, end quote. The new studio tram tour will be available starting summer 2020. Again, I'm super excited to see what Disneyland Paris will be serving up here. 
Imagineer Scott Drake, who is working on the new Spider-Man attraction, has revealed, quote, You're gonna get on this attraction, you're gonna put your hands out, and webs are going to go into this environment and web up these spider-bots, end quote. So it appears we will not be using any type of gun or shooting device, so we're literally gonna be using our own arms like Spider-Man. <laughs> I'm really excited for that. Cars Quatre Rues Rally is back in operation as it emerges from a long refurbishment that saw the turntables changed, vehicles refurbished, and theming refreshed. It's looking quite snazzy. <laughs> Love me some Nevada Americana with a hint of neon thrown into the mix. It's nice. Are you brave enough? This year's new Halloween show on Castle Stage will soon be reworked amid some negative guest feedback, which... You know guys, they're they're trying, so let's give them a break, and kudos to Disney for listening to feedback. And last but not least, the dueling pirates over at Pirates of the Caribbean have been fixed and are happily dueling once again. Yes, Bob Iger's new book, The Ride of a Lifetime. Bob Iger is of course the current CEO of Disney and has been for quite a while now, since March 13th, 2005 in fact. The book chronicles Iger's 46-year career at ABC and Disney, giving a unique inside look into the workings of the company and, of course, Iger himself. It also has a bit of a career advice section with a surprising amount of Steve Jobs stories in it, the latter of which I love. They were super funny and emotional at times. It was well-balanced. Specifically, I also wanted to address the audiobook, which is how I quote-unquote read, or better yet, listened to Ride of a Lifetime. Iger read parts of it himself, but most of it was read by Jim Frangione, who did a fantastic job. Overall, I really enjoyed the book, even more than I thought I would. You guys, I will be going into a few details here in this review, so if you want to completely avoid spoilers, this will be a great time to tune out. Right away, the book starts off with a pretty emotional and tragic story of Iger opening Shanghai Disneyland, which of course is happy in itself. But this all happened during which the Pulse nightclub shooting occurred. For those of you who don't know, Disney was the original target and a two-year-old child was killed by an alligator on Disney property. The raw emotional account follows a tight timeline of unfortunate events as well as Iger's daily to-dos. And the whole thing was really magnetic to read honestly in a quite a horrific and sad way. Iger also provides details of the phone call with the child's parents. One thing that I found particularly insightful is that his legal training kicked in and be careful not to implicate that Disney was at fault in the alligator killing. However, Iger decided to ignore this and continue his honest and sincere conversation with the child's parents. On a lighter note, two of my favorite elements were stories about the former CEO of Pixar as well as Apple, Steve Jobs. A funny one is the time that Bob decided to show Steve the newly opened Art of Animation Hotel and Steve responded bluntly with, quote unquote, this is crap. <laughs> Iger explains that Steve didn't understand the concept of a budget category product. Steve conceived products that held quality over price, even if that meant it would alienate certain demographics. He saw the world through a lens and all-stars didn't quite fit into it. Another time, Steve took his nephew to see Iron Man 2, after which he called up Iger and told him, quote unquote, it sucked. <laughs> Iger tried to explain to Steve that the movie was maybe not Oscar-worthy, but a success nonetheless at the box office and received mostly positive feedback from fans. Humorous story tidbits like this were fairly evenly distributed throughout the book, giving it a dynamic tone and keeping it from monotony. 
Another element that was really unexpected in the book was after getting over the board's squeamishness of purchasing Pixar, Iger got another surprise. Just 30 minutes before Iger and Jobs were about to announce the Pixar acquisition, Jobs took him on a walk to confine in Iger that his pancreatic cancer had returned. And because of that, Jobs wanted to give Iger an 11th hour chance to back out of the deal, which of course would make Jobs the single largest individual shareholder in Disney. Iger decided to go ahead with the deal, but the bad news hit Iger and his wife will obey hard on a personal level. They were all befriended. And Iger states, quote, Instead of toasting what had been a momentous day in my early days as CEO, we cried together over the news, end quote. Iger also gives his account on his views on why Michael Eisner was so successful in his early years at Disney and less so in his later years at the company. Even after leaving as CEO of Disney, Eisner made his case to the Disney board of directors why they should not support Iger's bid to buy Pixar for $7.4 billion. Eisner had never really gotten along with Steve Jobs, and they'd even had a public dispute towards the end of his tenure at Disney. The move offended Iger, who was none too happy with then-board chairman George Mitchell for letting it happen. Iger later goes on to say that Eisner later acknowledged that he was wrong, which Iger states was gracious of him. One of the strangest tidbits in the book is Iger's recollection of Disney trying to acquire Twitter. Iger saw its potential as a distribution platform with global reach, and the Disney board gave Iger the okay to finalize the deal. However, he was the one to get cold feet after considering the problems that Disney would inherit in addressing hate speech, fake accounts, and the general rage and lack of civility that was sometimes evident on the platform. Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey, who is a member of the Disney Board of Directors, was stunned but very polite when Iger gave him the bad news. Iger states, quote, I wish Jack lucked and I hung up feeling very relieved, end quote. Early in his career, Iger also experienced an incident of sexual misconduct. In 1974, he was managing studio facilities for ABC shows in New York. One night after the broadcast of the ABC Evening News with Harry Reasoner, Iger went back into the control room to make sure no updates were needed for later time zones. And I believe Iger inquired about this by asking how does it look? The lone producer in the room unzipped his pants, pulled out his penis, and replied, I don't know. You tell me how it looks. 45 years later, Iger still gets angry when he recalls that memory, which in my opinion is completely understandable. It's insane. Iger also touches on Star Wars and the acquisition from George Lucas, who had seller's remorse after Iger persuaded him to part with his company in 2012 for $4 billion. Iger writes that Lucas was hurt when Disney didn't adhere to his plans for its first Star Wars sequel, The Force Awakens. Iger attempted to smooth things over, inviting Lucas to the premiere and praising him lavishly. Yet in an interview with Charlie Rose, Lucas said that selling his company to Disney felt like turning over his children to white slavers. He later apologized, and Iger stated that he understood how emotional it was for him. Iger also devotes most of his final three chapters to the evolution of his thinking about on-demand streaming and touches on the $71.3 billion acquisition of 21st Century Fox. It's hard to blame Iger if he sounds a little bit weary in the final section of the book. He's 68 now. He'd planned to step down in June, but as part of his deal with Murdoch, he's agreed to stick around until 2021. In November, Disney scheduled to launch Disney Plus. The closely monitored streaming service and its success or failure might very much make a lasting imprint on his legacy. I suppose at the end of the day, one could sum up the book as Iger's management advice interwoven in an interesting life story. 
It's a bit like getting to pick a CEO's brain, and how often do you get to do that? <laughs> Not to mention that the audiobook version I listen to is partly at least read by Iger himself. So not only do you get the content, but also Iger's vocal inflections, a performance, so to speak. Overall, I would definitely recommend the book and even more so the audiobook for anyone with a general interest in Disney. I, for one, have never been much of a management type book guy myself. However, I found this one super interesting and I even found some of the management strategies insightful as well. Listener question. This week's question comes from Jim and he writes, One of my biggest disappointments with the US parks is the lacking book selection. What are your feelings about the storybook store? Are there a lot of books that would not be available on Amazon? How are the prices? I'm always looking to expand my reading selections. Hi Jim, thank you so much for that excellent question. Yes, so the storybook store that Jim mentioned is on Main Street USA, and I'm sorry to say has a fairly limited selection of books, many of which you could probably find on Amazon, and likely for a better price online too. Now, with that being said, if you're interested in park exclusives, there is the fabulous Pirates of the Caribbean attraction book available for $19.99 at Le Coffret du Capitaine, that's the Pirates of the Caribbean gift shop, and the equally fantastic Phantom Manor book, also available for $19.99 at the Thunder Mesa Mercantile Building over in Frontierland. Both books cover the fascinating history of their respective attractions and are otherwise only sporadically available on the European Disney Online Store. Now, a small tip, if you enjoy some of the poster art you see at Disneyland Paris, there's a wonderful downscaled poster collection that's about the size of your average coffee table book, also available at the Thunder Mesa Mercantile Building. <laughs> Jim Buddy, I, I feel you and I'm sorry I couldn't deliver more positive news about the storybook store. Honestly, if you're in the area, feel free to check it out. You never know, you might find a hidden gem in there somewhere. However, the selection is fairly limited and mostly available online. Thank you again to Jim for that amazing question. If you have any questions regarding Disneyland Paris or you just like to get in touch, you can reach us under DisneylandParisNow at Yahoo.com. You can also find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. All those links are down in the show notes. Please make sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or whatever the platform of your choice is. And we would very much appreciate it if you could leave a rating and review of your favorite platform. It really does help new folks discover the podcast and just gets the word out. So thank you so much, you guys. Thank you to at ed92 on Twitter, variety.com, and mickeyblog.com, all of which are the excellent sources for the information compiled in this episode of the podcast. Thank you for joining me today for Air Magique. This is Eric. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Is an unofficial podcast made with love and is not affiliated with the Walt Disney Company or any of its subsidiaries. This episode is not sponsored. All promotional or advertised content will be clearly identified. Audio excerpts and citations are used for educational purposes only. Copyright the Walt Disney Company, all rights reserved.